Today we're telling the story of a Christmas song. The words were written by someone who was an active protester of the Catholic Church. The music was written by a Jewish man during the time when Jews were being killed by the Inquisition. The song was made illegal to be sung in France. It was translated into English by an abolitionist pastor from Harvard Divinity School. The song stopped a war, at least for one day, and it's my all-time favorite Christmas song. Welcome back to Church History. I'm your host, Laura Lee Siemens, and today we are replaying a Christmas episode all the way back from season one. Don't forget to check out my website, lauraleesiemens.com. And on my website, you'll see how you can purchase my book and also get mugs with quotes from Church History Fathers. All right, right now we're going to tell the story behind my very favorite Christmas song. I hope you enjoy. Walking down the road in Paris, France in the year 1847, you're going to see a lot of stores. You might pass by a little jewelry shop that just opened a few months ago, Cartier, a little jewelry shop. It's the first Christmas and doing well. It will go on to do great things, and his jewelry will be worn by princesses, queens, and celebrities. By 2019, it'll be the 59th most valuable brand in the world. But today, as December starts in 1847, it's a brand new shop. A priest is walking down this road. He dips his head through a small doorway and into a winery. He isn't here to drink. He's looking for a writer. Placide is a winemaker and writer, and he's known for his great wines and his beautiful poetry. He's not known for church attendance. In fact, he thinks the church is corrupt and he doesn't trust it. So he's surprised to see a priest enter his little shop. The priest has a job for him. He wants a very special poem for his Christmas Eve mass, and he will pay well. Placide agrees, a bit hesitantly. He's not sure what to write about the church. The priest hands him a Bible and tells him to read Luke and find the Christmas story. That night, Placide sits drinking his wine and thinking about the church and all the reasons he hates the church. Now, to understand why men like this hated the church, we have to understand the time period. For those who've been listening to the past episodes of church history, you will have an understanding of the complexity of the crusade. And while the first few were perhaps justified, the last few crusades were not. They were often Christian nations fighting other Christian nations, and people were told their sins would be forgiven if they joined the crusade or gave money to the crusade. The last crusade had ended in 1492, about 350 years before our story. Now that was a long time ago, but since that time, peasants had been trying to free themselves from the monarchy and from the church. And then the Inquisition had started. Jews were sent to live in ghettos and heretics were burned at the stake. And the heretics were often true Christians who were speaking out about the corruption of the church. In the middle of the Inquisition, one man named Martin Luther had started a Reformation and people were leaving the Catholic Church and meeting in groups to read and study the Bible for themselves. New churches were starting everywhere. Then in 1808, Napoleon had defeated Spain and put an end to the Inquisitions. But then after a short break, Napoleon was defeated in 1814, and the new Spanish leader Ferdinando VII started the Inquisitions again. A school teacher was hanged for heresy in 1826. 
The Spanish began a rebellion and France agreed to help if the Inquisition ended. So in 1834, the Inquisition was officially ended. That was only 13 years before our story. All of Europe was in turmoil, and there were movements against the church growing all across Europe. That movement was very much alive in France, and our winemaker was part of it. He was also a friend of the Jewish community who was treated very poorly by the Catholic Church. But he had agreed to write a poem, so he opened his Bible and read the Christmas story. As a man who had never really went to church, he was reminded why he loved the story of Christmas. He had heard it often as a young boy. And as he sat there, he was flooded with the awness of that night Jesus arrived. The world there had been just as corrupt and just as full of hate. And then God himself had come to earth as a baby. He began to write about that night, the night that changed history. But as he wrote more stanzas, he began to think about the world around him. Surely Jesus had taught us to love each other. After all, his words were of love, and from the very beginning, his message was peace. Should slaves be free by now? Shouldn't slavery have ended if Jesus' message was real? And wouldn't the church have made that a priority? You see, the Republic had ended slavery in France in 1794, 52 years earlier, but Napoleon had brought slavery back in 1802, just 45 years ago. So, our writer had been born in a country where slavery was outlawed, and yet spent most of his life in a country where slavery was legal. If Jesus really did preach the law of love and the gospel of peace, then chains should be broken. If the message of Jesus was real, then the slave was our brother. Our winemaker stayed up all night writing, and in the morning had a beautiful poem. He got dressed and prepared himself to go and see the priest and give him the poem he had been commissioned to write. He hoped the priest himself would understand the words of this poem. But the more he thought about the poem, the more he felt it wasn't finished. And then he realized the problem. The poem didn't sound right being read. It really needed to be sung. So he visited his friend, Adolf Charles Adams. Hello, friend. I have a request. I have a poem I'm delivering to the church, and I want you to put it to music. Adolf laughed. You could not pay me enough. Plus, the church would never sing a song that I had any part in writing. But they don't have to know that it came from you. So, you want me to write a song, and I can't even tell people that I'm the writer? Adolf Charles Adams suddenly felt paper being pushed into his hands. He sighed and then sat down to read the poem. This might be the most beautiful thing I've ever read. So, you will write the music? Yes. Just before Christmas, the song was delivered to the priest. He was not made aware that it was a Jewish man that set the song to music. Hearing the song, the priest immediately knew it was the greatest song he'd ever heard. That Christmas, the church sang the song and the congregation was in tears. It was immediately a favor of the church. The very next year, in 1848, the chains of the slave were broken in France, and slavery was outlawed once and for all. But three years later, the priest learned that our winemaker was actively speaking and writing against the Catholic Church. Again, he visited, 
the winemaker, and at that time he learned his Christmas song had been written by a Jewish man. By this time, the churches in France were singing the Christmas carol, and the Catholic Church outlawed it. No one was allowed to sing the song. But by this time, the Catholic Church was losing control of the people. They were meeting in homes, and the song was being sung. Across the world, at Harvard Divinity School, a student was looking for a song for Christmas. The year was 1855, just seven years after the song had been written. John Dwight was a strong abolitionist, and he wrote and spoke to end slavery. John, as a young pastor, knew that his church must be on the front lines in ending slavery. He knew that the slave was his brother, created by God, and that all people were equal in God's eyes. He wanted a Christmas song that would impact the world around him, but none of the songs he was looking at really spoke to him. He pulled a French book off the shelf and sat down to read. He found a very beautiful poem and began to read. Then he reached the third verse. He jumped to his feet. This is it. This is the song. He picked up a paper and began to translate the third verse into English. Surely he taught us to love one another. His law is love, and his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. He finished translating the rest of the song and brought it to the choir to sing. It was a hit, and the song that was outlawed in France was sung at a church at Harvard University. And soon the song spread. Churches all across the United States were singing the song, "O Holy Night." January 1, 1863, 11 years after the song was written in France, and eight years after John Dwight translated into English, Abraham Lincoln declared the end of slavery in the United States of America. But God wasn't finished using the song yet. In 1871, a battle was raging. It was the Franco-Prussian War. One soldier is sitting in his foxhole, thinking about the day. It's Christmas Day. He thinks of how Jesus came into the world to bring peace, but there was no peace here. His mind goes to the song he sung with his family as a child. He is from France, and the song has been outlawed by the church, but it's always been his favorite. He stands. The soldiers around him don't notice he stood until he starts to climb out of the foxhole. His friends yell at him to get down. Across the field, the Prussians see a soldier climbing out of the foxhole. No weapon. He's just standing there. The field is suddenly silent. No gunshots. Everyone staring at this man standing there. No gun. Suddenly, the man begins to sing. The soldier stood there alone on the field and sang all three verses of the song. His voice traveled across the field into foxholes on both sides of the battle. As the song ended, a soldier on the other side stood and crawled out of his foxhole. He began to quote scripture. For the next 24 hours, the soldiers met together, talked about Christmas and family. They saw for the first time the humanity of the men on the other side of the field. The war ended just five months later. So this song, written by a man who hated the church and a Jewish man persecuted by the church, was used by God to awaken His people. Slavery would end in two different countries, and even wars would come to an end. 
Was it just because of the song? Well, I don't know. Even today, there's something about the song that brings peace. We're going to listen right now to this song, sung by an acapella group, Matt Nickel Music. I will have a link to his YouTube channel and a link to purchase his song. Please check out his channel because it's an amazing group. And I'm so thankful that he's allowing me to use his song for the end of this podcast. Merry Christmas, everyone. And here is Oh Holy Night, my personal favorite Christmas carol.
is the Lord.